I'm Mindy Peterson, and this is Enhanced Life with Music, a holistic look at the power of music in our everyday lives. I'm excited that today I get to talk about two subjects that I love, music and food. <laughs> My guest today is Chef Arlene Coco. Arlene is a native of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and has over 30 years of experience as a professional chef and caterer. Arlene is an accomplished cookbook author who promotes her message of creative flexitarian cooking through television appearances, food writing, recipe development, and cooking classes. Welcome to Enhanced Life with Music, Arlene. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Arlene, when I was preparing for this conversation, it occurred to me that as divisive as our culture seems right now, music and food are two things that everyone loves and are two things that consistently bring people together. What are your thoughts on this as someone who's been a professional chef and caterer and cooking teacher for decades? Well, I think they both bring pleasure. They give people a chance to share uh, their creativity. We crave connection, and so food and music are two things that most people can always find something to talk about and they can always find a subject you know they always have a favorite dish a question I like to ask folks that I just meet is what's your favorite dish to cook and everybody has one dish that they do well regardless mm -hmm. of how much they cook so that's always a great starting point and then kind of music what have you listened to any good music lately and because I'm always curious about what people are listening to and what they're eating so music and food play a big role in my life too ah those are actually really good conversation starters whether you're involved in music and food or not <laughs> I like that well as all of us know 2020 was full of restrictions because of COVID-19 and as those restrictions ease yet this year in 2021 and moving forward, some people have predicted a 21st century version of the Roaring Twenties where we see this release of pent-up demand for things that had been off limits like dinner parties. Tell us what your perspective is on this. Do you have any predictions on what may be happening in the near future with entertaining and dinner party activity? Well, yes, I do have, I have comments on it for sure. I, you know, I consider myself an ambassador of entertaining. I love to entertain. And during the pandemic, it was really difficult me, for me not to have people over. But I, you know, we crave connection, basically. And that was the thing that we noticed in the pandemic that we didn't have access to our friends. We crave connection and we all have a circle of friends. And during the pandemic, I think we kept that bubble of friends, but there's a whole cadre of friends that we either see once a month at a dinner meeting or you know, part of the garden club or something that always got together and there was typically food involved that we miss. So that casual connection. Boy, yeah, you're right. That reminds me of some articles that I saw about kind of the water cooler people in our lives that we see just in the halls at school or at work. They're not necessarily that inner circle part of your life, but they really enrich your life and you don't really realize how much they enrich your life until they're not there and you don't have that anymore. Because those were pretty common, you know, potlucks, for instance, I take that as an example. My prediction is I think we're going to maybe see for a while less potlucks 
because of COVID with restrictions uh -huh. now. People are kind of not sure about other people preparing their food. So I think what we'll see is more of the hosts being a little bit more educated, maybe by taking some classes or doing online research to learn how to cook flexitarian and make dishes that both plant-based and meat eaters can eat. And so they have more control over the flow of the food and make people feel more comfortable mm. when they come to eat. That's kind of what I'm seeing. Okay. Well, as someone who has been a professional chef and caterer and cooking teacher for decades, what are your observations about how music affects dinner parties for everyone involved? The guests during the event and the hosts before, during, and after, starting with food prep to the after dinner cleanup. How important of a role do you see music playing in terms of the energy of an event, the mood, and just that overall level of an enjoyment? Well, I definitely feel like music can add to the festive vibe of a party, especially if you're known for it. You know, my music starts before the party. It starts with the prep because I usually put on some typical kind of fast beat music just to keep me in time, keep me moving with my prep. And it's usually a lot of chopping. And, and so it's not like a lot of concentration. So I can listen to a song and say, oh, I remember where I was when that song. So it kind of gets me in the game of just relaxing, right, mm -hmm. while I'm doing my preparation. Because I'm when I do dinner parties, I do all my prep like in the morning or, the, or early afternoon of the event. Mm -hmm. And some things I do the day before if I can. So then, you know, when your guests come, you want to have some inviting music to kind of give them a little idea of what's to come. You don't want to like scare them when they come with really loud <laughs> blaring music, but you want to have some funky beat kind of music. And usually, you know, my friends come in and go, whoa, what's Arlene up to tonight? I wonder what we're going to be eating. Man, I better brace myself. <laughs> <laughs> and so I like this, at this time, I like to introduce new music, um, new people, you know, new artists. I like, I love international music from faraway lands. I spend a lot of time in Australia and I've traveled um, Southeast Asia and all parts, lots of parts of Europe. So I have a good background of exposure for lots of different international music. So if I've been traveling somewhere, I come back and I bring the music from that country and we just do a whole theme of that sometimes. So the and, food and the music will yes. both be sort of that international theme geared toward a certain country. Right. Ah. Yeah. That's really fun to match yeah. to match the music with the with the food, basically. Yeah. Is that where your strategy starts in terms of selecting the music in the playlist for a dinner party? Does it start with what's my theme, or is there any other part of your strategy that goes into that process? That's a good question. I think if it's a particular theme, I love theme dinners and I do quite a bit of them. Like right, I just recently did a dinner party, a Mediterranean dinner party, and I featured the Putumeo music from the Winelands mm -hmm. CD, which it was a compilation of all different musics from different areas that there are wine regions. Yeah. And we had wine usually, you know, and we could talk about the music and and that, that's kind of fun. So that would drive the theme. 
But typically, yes, and the short answer is I do keep in mind the music that I want to play with the food that I serve. Okay. So when you plan a dinner party, your process may start with, okay, what kind of food is being served? Is there any kind of a theme? I'm guessing with your flexitarian style cooking, it's also a matter of what season is it? Is this summertime? Is it winter? Maybe who's going to be at the party? What are some of the other factors that you consider when you're putting together that playlist? Well, you're definitely right. I do cook with the seasons as a flexitarian chef. And right now, it's all about the produce. Mm -hmm. And it's all about the ingredients that come into season in the summer and what I can get locally. Uh So with that, I usually just take my favorites and play those with my playlist. I mean, because I have my standards of the kind of music I like to play. But in the winter, you know, when, when entertaining season comes, and we call that gumbo season in Louisiana, <laughs> then I cook a lot. I just realized this about myself recently, that I cook a lot of Cajun food in the winter. <laughs> in the summer, I don't cook so much of Cajun food. But I guess because the dishes are one-pot dishes, they're yeah. stews, they're long-simmered. Yeah, well, that sounds like it would be perfect for the cold weather, which is sort of ironic since Louisiana's not cold. And I should point out that you're a native of Louisiana. You now call home the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, which was fun for me to hear since I'm from Michigan and we, my family drives through the UP every year when we go back and visit family who live in the Traverse City area. So that was kind of fun to hear. So When it's winter in the UP, yeah, it's definitely nice to have those warm, nourishing soups and stews. And I could see why that Cajun food would really be perfect for that season. And so with those parties, I for sure start out with Cajun music and play that from the cocktail hour, you know, the pre-dinner. And then for dinner, I always just like to slow things down and get people to relax because I didn't. If you have a loud and jumpy music, I think people eat faster. (laughs) Ah, sure. And I like for my dinner guests to just relax and enjoy the meal. So I pick music that is just kind of more on the instrumental side. I have a favorite now called uh, the genre of exotica music. I don't know if you're familiar Mm. with that. No, tell us about that. Exotica, a friend of mine turned me on to it, is kind of, Martin Denny is the artist who kind of made it famous. And it's almost Hawaiian music, but it's a lot of instrumental, a lot of birds in the background, a lot of tropical. And it was very popular in the 50s, the late 50s, when Hawaii became a state. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that was the golden age, in my mind, of dinner parties. They were very formal back then. People dressed up. They had a bartender. You know, the children made an appearance, and they left. And it was very, very formal. So this was kind of more of a formal music for that. And it's it's really nice music because people have gone, wow, what's that music? They do notice it because it's so different. Sure. Here's a quick break for our sponsor, Campfire Audio. Campfire Audio makes world-class earphones that reflect the company's passionate focus on refined audio. Each model in their earphone line is designed and assembled by hand in their Portland, Oregon workshop. 
These earphones are beautiful to look at. I love the artistic shaping and colors of the earphones, so it didn't surprise me to learn that they have a small team of highly skilled and dedicated craftspeople who are continually experimenting with materials and techniques to create their unique prototypes and models. Each earphone is the culmination of countless iterations, hours of listening, and rigorous performance testing for the people who care about it most. Check out campfireaudio.com for their model lineup of earphones that are second to none in performance and finish. Campfireaudio.com. Well, you grew up in Louisiana. You were surrounded by music. Tell us a little bit about the musical environment you grew up in, how it influenced you as a chef. Well, Mardi Gras, of course, was a big time for music. And you start going to Mardi Gras when you're in your mama's belly. So (laughs) (laughs) you hear it all your life. And, of course, the marching bands are always really, really spectacular because it's all, and there's so many of them, because every high school has a marching band or college in the area, and they all make the circuit. So that, you start off by hearing that, and then in the home, we play Dixieland jazz, you know, the old-style jazz, Pete Fountain, Al Hurt, Louis Armstrong, those greats Mm -hmm. that uh, started down on Basin Street, And that is what I was hearing growing up in the home. And, of course, Cajun music. My parents spoke French at home. Mm. So we had French music, Cajun music as well that we listened to. Mm. And then when I got older and moved to New Orleans from Baton Rouge, then I delved into the rhythm and blues, the funk music, the famous New Orleans music. I was friends with some musicians, so it was a big part of our life there to listen to live music because it was so abundant. I mean, everybody, every bar and almost every restaurant had some sort of music component to their dining experience. I visited New Orleans with my sister a couple years ago and just loved it. I mean, as a music lover, you can't help but love visiting because of the live music that's everywhere. Kind of like a musician going to Nashville. I mean, completely different cities, but music is just in the blood of those cities. And they each have their own really unique personalities. But that's one thing I remember about New Orleans is like, wow, the city has so much personality and the music is a huge part of it. I am a huge Aaron Neville fan, and you've probably heard tons of Aaron Neville music. Have you oh, heard the yes. Neville, Bro- Neville Brothers play quite a bit from your time yes. down there? And- yes, I was in that. Uh, I was in New Orleans during that era of the Neville Brothers playing at Tipitina's, which was the big roadhouse down in New Orleans. And oh yes, it was fantastic. <laughs> they, that was their how they started as a house band there, and they drew crowds for many years. Well, if I had to pick one musician that I could have their music with me on a desert island, he would definitely be at the top of my list. I think think one reason, I mean, he has incredible voice, of course, but on top of that, he covers so many different genres that you would never get bored. I mean, he does everything from gospel, reggae, rap, blues, soul, pop, you know, like the classics, jazz, you know, I mean, he pretty much covers it all. And so... 
Yeah, he's from a very, very talented family. They're great musicians. You know, Harry Connick Jr. Jr. Mm. is another New Orleans native that has a broad range, too, I think. Yes. Well, you mentioned in some of our conversations something about fishhead music, which I've never heard that term. Can you tell us what fishhead music ah, is? Ah, <laughs> fishhead music. Well, that's the radiators. That That's their style of music. It's kind of funky. It's got, you know, good downbeat. And it's just, uh, it's very localized in New Orleans. And it's just really good dance music or party music. And you play it loud and... It's just got a life of its own, I suppose. But we coined it Fishhead Music back then, and I'm not sure if they still use it, but the radiators were a good example of that. Oh, okay. And do you know where the Fishhead Music term came from? Is it related to some of the cooking and using fish head for broth or gumbo <laughs> or something? <laughs> uh, no, I don't think it was related to that, but... I think somehow fish head music, I guess people eat a lot of fish in Louisiana. And I think maybe that might be the connection. Okay. Oh, we do. We're a seafood loving country down there. Yeah. Because it's so abundant. <laughs> right. Okay, well, let's talk some more about the strategy that you use for selecting music for these different stages of hosting a party. You talked a little bit about prep music and how you pick that. You talked a little bit about the cocktail music and then for the actual dinner part of the party, the music gets a little more relaxed, so people are just feeling relaxed, not rushing with their eating. Anything else that you want to talk about with either prep or cocktail or entree music before we talk about what comes after dinner? Well, I think, you know, just to keep it relaxing during entree, because people will linger longer if the conversation is good and the music is good and the music's not overpowering. I mean, I like soft jazz, new age jazz. I like new age music as well you know um, George Winston those types of of genres of music just really kind of soft to complement the event and I find too when I do you know like Spotify song lists that if you don't have a lot of music queued up for dinner you you need to have your phone handy to keep going because what will happen is they'll play music that matches what you previously played so it's good to have 15 or so songs if you want to get it through the entire dinner hour well that brings up a good point i was going to ask you how do you change out these different playlists i mean is this a manual thing or do you just sort of guess how long cocktail music should play and have it programmed accordingly and then if the party's over music starts playing people are like oh i guess Arlene's ready to get rid of us (laughs) no i tend to do all of my playlists separately that way i can just change it right when i need to very easily like i have a playlist for dinner music i have a playlist for after dinner music and you know i just do them all separate because in that way you're right they don't run into each other and see what will happen is if you play that dinner party playlist and you're playing Inya as one of the songs Uh well when your music stops you know another Inya song will come on or a similar song Uh uh-huh 
So that's okay, you know, if you don't have enough. But it's nice if you want to have specific tunes in to put them all in earlier. But doing it separately, I think, um, is probably the best way. Because you're right, you will go into a different vibe and yeah. you may not be ready. Yeah, okay. So you'll have different playlists either in Spotify or something else and you'll just manually be like okay people are gonna show up soon so I'm gonna get that cocktail music playlist going we're switching from prep to mm -hmm. cocktail music and then once you're kind of ready to get that main entree started you'll manually switch to a dinner music playlist yeah I do and you know sometimes I do I go old school because we have a ton of CDs I mean we're from the CD generation yeah and I have five CD players around my house in different oh. areas. Okay. So if we're out on the porch and we're having cocktails there, if I want to, I may put on a CD and put like my husband or somebody in charge of, okay, here's the music we want to play, just switch it out kind of thing. And then when we move to a different area, then I have another CD player and I have the music there. So it just really kind of depends. But I'm... Yeah. I'm pretty mobile with my music, even with my CDs and my, you know, my Bluetooth. Okay. Well, once the main entree is over, any playlist that you switch to after that for like after dinner music, dessert music, time to go music? <laughs> of course, I do all of those. Typically, my parties, it depends. When I have friends over for an entire weekend, they're usually friends from out of town and I don't see them very often and we stay up late we just do because we're out in the on the beach at the beach house and we don't have to get up early so we stay we love to stay up late and dance when the children were all little we danced like crazy because the kids love to dance sure and we'd play the music really loud because we never disturbed anybody because there was <laughs> nobody around yeah and i should and, say you are in the up and you're right on lake superior so I'm yes sure. oh my goodness what a gorgeous setting for parties my husband and i honeymooned in the porcupine mountains and we're oh right yes superior so i definitely have a very special place in my heart for oh that wonderful <laughs> so yeah we have dance music and that i mean we let people pick out music like we'll let people different people pick out songs and we do the same if we play darts we're big dart players inside you know we do a lot of these inside things in the winter sure <laughs> So we have a vinyl collection too, a large vinyl collection, and that's downstairs in our game room. And so the teenagers love the vinyl collection because ours is from the 70s and 80s. Ah, yeah. And so they just pick stuff out. And so you well, that's get to huge pick out with your teenagers own music. now again. Yes. Yeah. And not just teenagers, but I have a teenage daughter who's just barely still in her teens, and I know she and her friends love that. I have a son who's 16. He has friends who are into vinyl, and mm -hmm. yeah. So it's come back around again, and of uh -huh. course, we kept it. So we do that, and if we're playing cards, we switch it around. A lot of our friends, if they come for the weekend, they bring their own music, and they oh. say, we want to play this. I'm This is my prep music, and this is my dinner music when it's my turn to cook. Oh, interesting. <laughs> it's really fun, because you, you hear music. I've never heard that. Yeah, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, that's, that's something I noticed as a parent, too, where my daughter, you know, she's now in college, but when she was in her teens in high school, she would play music when we were, like, cleaning the house together once 
once a week would have to clean, you know, would clean yep. together. Yes. And should get to pick the music. And there are certain songs that I'm like, oh, who's this? I like this song. I've never heard right. of it. Yeah. So I like that idea. Yeah. But typically when we have, you know, just like dinner guests and they go home, then we kick in our cleanup music. Okay. Which is similar to your house cleaning music. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about your cleanup well it's like louis prima and just some really funky fun things for a while and then if you have guests that you you know it's time to single for everybody to go home you usually play like happy trails okay <laughs> or you may play it when they're leaving you know just as a send-off because i find what happens with dinner parties one person oh we got to go everybody else oh we better go too it's like a flock of birds leaving you are always researching something new and exciting in the world of food and cooking. What's your most recent new and exciting project or area of research? Well, I'm really into charcuterie boards now. Ah. And I think they're just, they're making a wave in the uh, pickup market, you know, the deli and pickup market. And yeah. I'm working on a a freebie that I that I hand out to customers if they sign up on my website on creating a flexitarian charcuterie board because ah. I think that is a really fun way to entertain and you can do it individually you know jarcoonerie put things in jars oh. or you can do individual plates there's just a lot of different ways you could go with charcuterie which is just a French term for cold kitchen so it's typically cold foods Okay. It can go anywhere from a breakfast board to a dessert charcuterie board to anything. So I've been working on collecting some really fun boards for the photography and just some really fun things, recipes, and just being inspired by that. And what instigated your fascination with the charcuterie boards? Is that something that's really a trend right now in the food world? It is a trend and it's becoming more of a trend. I did a class last December on charcuterie boards for the holiday season because that's when they're really when you really see a lot of them so I'm kind of gearing up for that to teach a few classes on different kinds of charcuterie entertaining and I think it could be a thing because it's easily transportable and they're really fun and there's different ways you can do it to make people feel comfortable eating it well I like those because you can be as low you know minimalistic or extravagant and creative as you want with them and Mm -hmm. the other thing that's kind of nice about them especially around the holidays is people can get a little fooded out like oh my goodness I've been eating nonstop since Thanksgiving (laughs) and so it's kind of nice to just have this board where you can pick and choose as little or as much as you want and not feel like you're going home stuffed yet again from another party or you're you're feeling rude if you're not eating very much so that's something that's really nice and so many people have different food preferences or allergies things like that it can be kind of nice to just let people pick and choose what they want and don't want to eat exactly so if you let's say you're a vegan and you want to do a charcuterie board for your family well you have the opportunity to buy meat and it goes very well on those types of boards Mm -hmm. and you don't have to handle it Mm. Or if you're an Omni and you want to serve something vegan, you can buy stuffed uh, grape leaves, you can buy hummus and things just to put on if you're not familiar with it. So it's a really easy way, 
because you can purchase so many beautiful things now in the specialty stores and just have little bits and pieces of things. And you don't have to make a thing. So it's mm. easy to execute, as we say, in the industry. Well, and I imagine there's lots of inspiring photos of charcuterie boards on Pinterest or Instagram. Tell us about your classes, because we'll definitely link to your website in the show notes and your classes. I know I have some examples of classes that you offer that I'll include in the show notes, but just tell us a little bit about the classes you offer. You mentioned a freebie and charcuterie boards if people sign up. I think you offer in-person and virtual classes. Yeah, I do a lot of online classes uh, with the Duluth Co-op up here in, in Minnesota and Duluth. And those are actually free to the customer. And I'll be starting those again in the fall. I do those pretty regularly. I do a lot of private classes and private culinary classes for folks. Like they'll have a group. They'll want a group to get together virtually. And I kind of lead the class. And I do lunch and learn health for companies that want to offer a half hour, an hour kind of What's the Mediterranean diet about? Uh, quick night, uh, easy quick night things or healthy shopping in a grocery store. Just kind of things that folks can incorporate into their daily life just to be a little bit more healthy. Because mm-hmm. I've been on a real health journey myself and I'm very proud to say that I've managed to lower my cholesterol 39 points in six months because wow. of my dietary changes. So I have a lot to say about that. Mm, sure. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, we will include those links in the show notes. I ask all my guests to close out our conversation with a musical ending, a coda, by sharing a song or story about a moment that music enhanced your life. Is there a song or story you can share with us in closing today? Well, I always, when I hear the song by Louis Armstrong, Do You Know What It Means to Miss New Orleans? And I love that song because it takes me back to a simpler time when I did live in New Orleans. It's just got a special vibe in that city and the people, the food, the music. It's like no other city in the world. And I was so grateful to be a part of that scene for as many years and to grow up nearby and really enjoy that city. So it's a nice song for me to hear because it It reminds me of all the great times I had there and all the stories and all the experiences I had there. Do you know what it means to miss New Orleans? a little bit of the YouTube video of Louis Armstrong's Do You Know What It Means to Miss New Orleans. The link to the video is in the show notes. One thing I know for sure after this conversation is I would love to attend one of Arlene's parties. (laughs) Thanks so much to Arlene for sharing with us these tips on enhancing food and our social experience of dinner parties. 
Arlene has also generously shared with us her favorite recipe and her Spotify playlist to get us started on building our own dinner party playlist. So help yourself to that on the website on the show notes for today. A couple weeks ago in episode 107, we discussed how music can change our purchasing habits, often without us even being aware of it. A listener had a really intriguing observation that she mentioned on social media. Ashley commented, I noticed that when pop slash rock is playing that I tend to be more impulsive when buying. A lot of times clothing and random decor items, sometimes not even thinking purchases through. When classical music is playing, I tend to buy more enriching items, art supplies, books, things I actually need. I thought that was really fascinating and really impressive self-awareness to even be able to observe that. So thanks so much to Ashley for sharing that. I always do love connecting on social media. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. You can also reach me via email, mindy at mpetersonmusic.com. Today's show notes and a transcript of this episode are at mpetersonmusic.com slash podcast. This is episode 109. All links are in the episode details right in your podcast app. Thank you so much for joining me today. Until next week, may your life be enhanced with music.